Lightning Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the UFC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. This is the sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We've never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's going on, Broncos country? Tanner Lee and Jeff Ryan back for another weekly edition of the Orange Weekly Post Game Podcast. Uh, Jeff, this is one of those games where we're going to break it down and never talk about it again. <laughs> Yeah, this uh, feels a lot similar to week five against the Jets, uh, unfortunately. And uh, this is not the time that we needed to have this conversation about the Broncos because with the home stretch coming, uh, we needed each one of these games. So disappointing to say the least. Very disappointing, but we'll get into, uh, of course, what we didn't like out of the Broncos, a few things we liked, uh, where the Broncos go from here. Uh and if we have any shot the playoffs, what Vance Joseph future looks like, a little bit of all that we'll cover. So sit back, relax, and get ready for another edition of the post game podcast. Orange man. All right, Jeff, let's get right into it. Uh, the Broncos lost to the lousy, and that's probably putting it kindly, San Francisco 49ers by a score of 20-14. to 14. Oh, man, what a bad first half. That saw our Broncos down 20-0 to zero at halftime. I wanted uh, John Elway to go down and just fire the whole <laughs> staff a half. <laughs> they, they deserve to be after that performance. Again, it's just it's a matter of this team looking unprepared and, you know, a week of – they had a whole week to prepare for a bad team, arguably the worst team in football, um, playing a, th- a third-string quarterback, um, a team that's riddled with injuries, and that's what we do. Um, and I know we have our own problems, but that's no excuse. You know, we also have a lot better overall pieces in San Francisco. And with that performance on the field, yeah, you're right. I always should have gone down there and, and shooed Vance and the rest of the coaching staff out himself. I mean, we knew we were going to have a – a battle on our hands without Chris Harris Jr. and without Emmanuel Sanders, but I still thought we could get it done against a team that was two and ten going into this game. And essentially in what was a playoff game for us, I mean, we couldn't afford to lose this game. And we came out with that the lack of enthusiasm that we came out with, you know, the lack of effort at times, lack of preparation, lack of execution. It was just a crap show really from the beginning. There's no doubt. Um and I just I can't pinpoint where that lack of uh, inspiration or that lack of uh, motivation comes from. If it's that we're lacking a, a leader on offense, if it's that our leaders truly aren't great leaders, um, if it's Vance Joseph himself not getting the guys prepared, if there's this feeling of <clears throat> relaxation in the locker room because of the, the whole players-coach mentality that 
that all the players seem to talk about with Vance and, you know, Vaughn, as much as we love him and, and as great as a Broncos he is, he's going to, in my mind, go down as the best Broncos defender ever to play in Denver. Um, you know, he's a fun loving guy and he is talented because of the freak athlete that he is. And he's not a Peyton Manning in terms of leadership. He's just not. And so I, I don't know. I, I I'm not putting this on Vaughn. Don't get me wrong. I just, I, if you can tell me differently, I can't pinpoint why we look uninspired at times. I I can't. I think it's the one of the million dollar questions. One of the many million dollar questions the Broncos really have surrounding this team and organization as a whole right now. Um, but let's uh, let's get right right into some of the things, of course, that we didn't like. Uh, George Kittle, uh, a well known tight end uh, out of Iowa, uh, really good tight end. Looked like the best tight end ever to lace him up on Sunday. He had seven catches for 210 yards, including an 85-yard touchdown. All of that in the first half because he didn't catch a ball in the second half. But, my God, I mean, I think everybody knows, particularly in Broncos country, how bad we've struggled the past five, six years of covering tight ends. And it just doesn't look like a problem that's going to get solved anytime soon. No, and, I mean, across the league, tight ends um... – an integral part of a lot of teams. I mean, Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, Rob Gronkowski. Um, I don't know. You could name a lot of teams around the league that, I mean, George Kittle's up there that have um, valuable tight ends, but this is just getting ridiculous. At one point, do you go to the drawing board and say, we need to fix this because it doesn't even look like it's addressed by this team. I don't get that. I do not get that. 210 yards in the first half pisses me off. You know, and I watch Danger of Ethan covering guys flying around the field Sunday night on the bears. And I thought, man, we should have never let that guy go. No, no. You know, again, at the time, the way this league is set up, it is so stinking hard to keep everybody. And there's a reason that we lost the players we did because the league doesn't set you up for success after you win a Super Bowl. It doesn't, it, it humbles you quickly. Um, and unfortunately him and Malik Jackson have been huge losses from this defense. But, of course, Kyle Shanahan came out with an aggressive game plan, saw Kittle get 210 yards, like I said, on seven catches. Uh, Mullins, Nick Mullins, third-string quarterback, like you mentioned, went 20 for 33 for 332 yards, two touchdowns. We did force him into one uh, interception, and we got to him three times. But then you look at Case Keenum's stats. You ready? Have you seen his stat line? Yes. 24 for 42 42 attempts, only 186 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. So that's five straight games, no interceptions. Did take two sacks. 42 attempts for only 186 yards. Do those not look like bad Trevor Simeon numbers? Well, and it's interesting you said that because in our Orange Weekly group message yesterday, I compare. I found a screenshot that compared Case Keenum's stats to this date. Up to this day, uh, compared to Simeon's in 2016, and I'll read them off for you. Uh, Case is uh, 280 completions on 453 uh, attempts for 61.8 completion percentage, 3,139 yards, 15 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, a QB rating of 84.3. Simeon, up to this date in 2016, was 289 completions on 486 attempts, so 59. 5% completion rating, so a little so below cases. So 3,401 yards uh, above case, 18 touchdowns above case, 10 interceptions, the same amount, and 84.6 QB rating, slightly above case. 
and we're paying so, Case eighteen million dollars. Exactly. A year. Exactly. Our quarterback position still isn't fixed. No. Hasn't been fixed since Peyton left. Don't know when it's going to get fixed. No. And I'll argue that the Denver Broncos quarterback situation hasn't been fixed really since John Elway, because even though we've had good teams with Plummer, with, I mean, I'm not even going to throw Cutler in there, but at least Cutler was a competent quarterback early in his career. And I'm not even throwing his name in the pot. You know that. You know me better than that, Tanner. And then, uh, and then Peyton Manning. You could argue that the position has never been has never been addressed since Elway because those were all short-term fixes. Jake Plummer was a short-term fix. Jake Cutler, we thought we had something. He turned out to be a dud. Um, uh, Tim Tebow was technically a success for one year in terms of the playoffs, the playoff win, but career-wise, no. Uh, Kyle Orton, dud. Uh, because of what was around him, and he just hasn't won anything in his career. Uh, Peyton Manning, uh, yes, I love those four years. They were incredible. But you can't build a team for only four years and say, oh, that's good. I'm glad I'm glad that happened. You know, you, it hasn't been addressed at all. So, I don't know. I'm frustrated. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and you know, and a frustrating thing to me during this game Sunday was it seemed like – our line just got our uh, offensive line, especially, just got overmatched. It looked like San Francisco was just more aggressive and mm-hmm. really took it to our offensive line. Our offensive line just they they really struggled. They showed that they were like beat up and just not not the five starters out there uh, first time in a while. Our run game couldn't get going. Royce Freeman was our leading rusher with thirty six yards on six carries. Phil Lindsay had thirty yards on fourteen carries and a touchdown. Keenum had twenty four yards on four carries. Uh, Tim Patrick had 11 yards on one reverse. Uh, Janovich had three yards on one carry. Sutton lost a yard on his carry. Uh, Tim Patrick's one guy I thought deserves a good shout-out. Mm-hmm. He had seven catches for 85 yards. thought he played pretty well. Deshaun Hamilton had seven catches for 47 yards. Lindsey, four catches for 21. Sutton, only two catches for 14 yards. Booker, two for 11. Uh, he had um, Brian Parker, one for five. And Matt Lacoste, one for three. Yeah, just uninspiring is the best word I can I can use. And um, I don't know. I'm getting a little bit worried just very early here in, in the routes we're seeing from Cortland Sutton that this offense, not to his fault, is only built for him to succeed deep down the field. And those plays are not all that successful in the NFL because of the skill in the secondary. And so – It'd be nice to see him get a few more routes that are over the middle of the field or um, that are in the you know ten to fifteen yard range. Um, I thought that you know just to go back in the quarterback. I thought Keenan looked so bad. I, I thought it was arguably his worst game of the year, just big picture. Um, he's probably had worse games in terms of turning the ball over because he didn't. I know he didn't have a pick, um, but he just looked so out of whack he looked like he was running for his life probably due to the line being banged up and just not playing very well and san francisco's front is not terrible um but i don't know i i'm so frustrated i have so many things i want to say i'll get to vance later but i have some theories about what makes vance the coach that he is well in in case keenum um or vance joseph i should say uh, mentioned that he wants Keenum to be more aggressive, take more shots down the field, which I agree, but I'm thinking 
Look at his targets. He's got nobody to throw to downfield, really, besides yeah. Colin Sutton, maybe Tim Patrick. Uh, the tight ends aren't deep threats. Hamilton's not a deep threat. I, he, I, don't, he know, man. That, I don't think we're going to see uh, a lot of big plays, at least out no. of the air, out of this offense the no. next three games. No, and he says that kind of stuff like – like I think the general fan would go, oh yeah, that that's a great point. But no, like most Broncos fans are pretty smart in knowing that that's a stupid comment. If you watch that game, there was nothing open down the field because a Keenum doesn't have time. B the offense is so uncreative that there's no space for wide receivers to get open. Everyone's covered man on man because it's such a boring. You know the out the one and two wide receivers just go out. The tight ends will run a five yard out route when we need seven yards. The the uh, uh, slot receiver, or will run like a little, you know, seven yard post when we need ten yards. The off, it just it's mind boggling to me. I'm not a football mind, and I see this stuff going. What are they doing? No, absolutely, absolutely. And then uh, before we get into talking more about Vance Joseph and the next three weeks, uh, I did want to give Bradley Chubb a game ball and a shout out. Two sacks now has broken uh, Von Miller, or at least tied it. I think he broke it, maybe. At least tied it. Uh, single season uh, rookie sack record uh, in team history. Now he's two and a half away from the NFL record of Javon Curses. Uh, do you think he gets two and a half the next three games? I'm going to say yes. Um, probably. I could see him getting one each of the last three. Yeah. I'll yeah. Go with that. I- I'm going with that too. He's got a bright future ahead, very, very bright f- career and future in Denver. Von Miller had a sack, but he also had three offside penalties on the same drive. That was pretty ridiculous. It's like, okay, Von, we know you're trying to get a sack, but just play your assignment. Don't try to jump the snap count, even though you're amazing at it. Three times, that really hurts a drive. It does. You get it's 15 yards. You got to be more disciplined than that. Um, but okay, now that let's talk about Vance Joseph in the future a little bit, but before. Right before we do that, I mentioned Chubb. You know, he's got a great future. It looks like uh, you also got Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, Cortland Sutton. You got a lot of these young pieces that make me very hopeful for whoever comes in. Presuming that Vance and staff lose their jobs, whoever comes in can succeed with these guys. Yeah, there's no doubt. We have a lot of young pieces that have a good core, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, of course, we know where the defense is at. There's still some holes that that have started to develop, especially with injuries this year. Um, and people aren't getting any younger. Vaughn's not getting younger. Chris Harris isn't getting younger. Darren Stewart, I think, has had a really bad year. Um, yeah. he, he's looked lost out there. That, that long touchdown pass to Kittle early on in the game was his misassignment, um, which I have a comment about that with Vance later. Um, and – Let's see. I mean, I agree. I think we got a lot to build around, but again, we don't have the most essential piece in football, which is the quarterback. And I'm sitting there watching the Kansas City Baltimore game early in the morning, and I, I saw that. I don't know if you saw it, but that that long play that Mahomes made on fourth and nine in the fourth quarter to Tyreek Hill going. We haven't had a quarterback that could do that since 1998, and that's sad to me, but it's true. And uh, he's a special player, and he's what is making that team go right now. And so until we address that and until we fix that, you know, we're going to be a struggling team at times. And unfortunately, at least on paper, you know, it's so hard to evaluate quarterbacks coming out of college. This isn't a strong QB class coming out this year. 2020 looks like it's going to be, but I don't know if we can take another year of mediocre quarterback play. No, and I mean, the good thing is, 
you know, I, I'm not on, I'm not going to say case is the answer, but we have him signed to one more year um, with a new coaching staff. You know, this team is in rebuild mode. We've said that earlier on the year. So with another year with case, you know, if that's the worst case scenario, it's not like this team is going to win three or four games. I don't think. Um, so what, I don't what's, know. What's scary to me, Jeff and Kev Dan made this point. I thought he made a really excellent point. It seems like we've kind of been in rebuild mode to a sense since 2016, even though that team mm-hmm. should have made the playoffs mm-hmm. and we're stuck in the same spot that we were in 2016, arguably a step or two back. Oh yeah. We had a better team then, but if you look at some of the pieces that we've lost since then, I mean, I look at Akib Talib right away. I look at some of the linemen that we've lost. Um, see, we lost CJ Anderson who I, now our running game has been great this year. So I don't think that's, that's necessarily the problem. Um, we lost Malik Jackson after that season. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to pinpoint if it's just the natural progression of the league or if it's bad front office management. I can't tell. I mean, I mean, I John's going to have John's going to have to have another good draft and he's got to find some pieces in free agency cuz there are some spots where you got to I mean, we can't go out there next year. I mean, Manuel Sanders might not be back next year. Even if he is, it's probably going to be late in the season. We can't go out there with those same wide receivers that we just threw out there Sunday and expect to win too many games. Achilles is one of those things that this could be. I agree. I completely agree. It could be career ending, um unfortunately or career altering for Manuel Sanders because you looked at what Kobe did after his Achilles, he was not the same athlete. And I know it was at the end of his career and Emmanuel is not quite to that point of his career, but um, we may not get the same guy back. Um, the good thing is, is Elway finally did hit this draft class on the head. And if Deshaun Hamilton can come into form, I'm excited about what him and Sutton can bring, of course, with Lindsay and Freeman. So um, got to rebuild the line. <laughs> we got to, we got to rebuild the secondary. Um, I would say those are the two most pressing things at this point, because as much as we want to fix the quarterback, it's not going to happen overnight. Um, and you got to get a little bit lucky. This is a defensive heavy draft this year. So that is a good thing. There's a lot of good corners, good safeties, good linemen, even good linebackers. I mean, all over, if you need a defensive player, you can pl- probably find it in this year's upcoming mm-hmm. draft. So that is nice. Um, I wouldn't mind him trying to get another tight end, but I know we have tight ends on the roster, but none of them can seem to stay healthy. And I don't know if any of them are that difference maker that you really need at tight end. Um, and, and I, I kind of feel more like a good tight end can be made by a creative offense, which we haven't had in a long time. And I mean, look at Julius Thomas. He wasn't a great player. He was good that year we had him because of Peyton Manning and because of the offense. Um, so, you know, that's a, that's a category that I would say, let's not overspend. We got bigger things to work on. Yeah, personally. fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and on the line, I just want, I wanted them to, to resign Matt Paradis. Oh Yes. Uh, at center, I think that should be a priority going into the offseason. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like you said, uh, defense secondary has really got to be rebuilt. Um, uh, I, I read today Isaac Yadam's not going to play this weekend. He's hurt. Saw that. So, and we're not addressing it, apparently. So Tremaine Brock's got to be the guy, and he's a one-year contract. He won't be back next year. I'd be surprised if Stewart's back. Um, you know, Justin Simmons, I think, has got a bright future. Roby, who knows? I don't know. It's, it's, it's scary. We might – look totally different next year, but maybe that'll be for the better. Yeah. I mean, a lot of things need to change this team. Just they need to be rebuilt. I mean, not completely, but there, there's just so many pieces that um, are the reason we're a six and seven football team. 
on the field uh, first and foremost. And it's hard. It's a hard league. It's a hard. I, I commend people in the front office because as much as as much criticism as they get and as we give them and the rest of the media gives them, you can't build everything in one year and expect things to just happen. And I think fans want it to happen overnight, and it, and it doesn't. Um, what I'm worried about is it doesn't look like not only are they not building for next year or the next two years, I don't know what this team is doing to build for the next five years. And that's what worries me most. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's a, it's concerning time. It's, it's John better hit a home run. I know I say it a lot, but he's probably gonna have some criticism and probably some well-deserved criticism coming his way this off season. And it's, I mean, you know, if, I mean, he just did win a Super Bowl in 2015. All three Super Bowls Denver's won their history to credit to John Elway. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he deserves to be fired. But no. it's interesting to think about if he wasn't who he is, would he be getting more pressure on him? Say he was just a normal general manager. He'd be getting a lot of pressure. I, I completely agree. And I think with John Elway, he is the Denver Broncos. So I, you know, I don't want to give him a pass. I don't ever want to give anybody a pass when you're making that kind of money. Um, but I don't ever see him getting fired. I think he would just step down when he gets to the point of realizing he can't do anything else with this team. He can't, he can't improve this team. And we're kind of at a tipping point. If you look at this defense, this whole team has had the, all the success, which is very little the last three years they have had because only of the defense. And so if you lose those parts, once Vaughn gets past his prime, you know, Chris Harris's injury, we'll see how he comes back from that. Um, We've seen how bad our secondary has been. Our linebacking crew is completely changing. Our front four is not as dominant as they were in 2015, of course, and it has changed since then. So after that, I don't know if Elway is going to look at this and go, I, I can improve this team because right now I would say no. Yeah, I don't think it's a year fix, unfortunately. No. no. But with a new staff and new coach, I think it could be definitely improved to be back fighting for the playoffs. Yes. But, yeah. Okay, so now we got to the elf in the room, the topic we both really want to talk about, but I'm yes. going to let you share your thoughts first. Vance Joseph, what you got? I just have one kind of main idea I've thought about a lot since this loss on Sunday in that every time we lose a football game under Vance Joseph these last two seasons, to me it looks like the team is underprepared, not only football in terms of um, – calling plays, having the right plays called at the right time, knowing when to challenge, knowing how to use timeouts. He also doesn't know how to get guys ready to play mentally, I don't think. Um, And you see that on the field when you show up flat for these East Coast road trips last year. We saw it on Sunday for a team that was 2-10 and when you're in the middle of a playoff race, and quite frankly, a playoff race that could be ours had we won the game. And so... (laughs) That is so frustrating to me. And what I find myself thinking is that if you look at the great coaches like Belichick, of course, everyone's going to go to Belichick. Belichick is the best at not re- at not reacting to things, but instead being proactive on things. He thinks about a hundred scenarios for everything that could happen. If a player goes down, okay, what's our next scenario? If this play doesn't work, what's our next scenario? If this team does this, that we don't expect. What's our next scenario? Vance is reacting to every single thing that is going on. He has no preparation for this team. And that is why we're six and seven and why we were five and 11 last year. I'm, I'm so tired of it. 
And this is probably going to fire you up more if you haven't seen it or heard it. Did you see his uh, comment yesterday about uh, the rest of the schedule? No, I didn't. He said, we're now in win-now mode. We have to win out. That hadn't been addressed before now, but now the players know we have to win these next three games. He, sa- he said that? Yeah. Something along those lines. I might have been off a few words, but oh, pretty much. He's coaching himself out of a job, and I, I, I'm really tired of players supporting him because, again, we've talked about this a million times, this whole players coach BS I don't think works. I don't think it works at all. You can't. How can you say that? This had to have been a four-game winning streak for us to just have a chance at the playoffs. And now he says that after losing to a 2-10 football team. that That's amazing. Yeah, and it's not only this on-the-field stuff. It's how he handles the media makes me frustrated and mad. His challenge is he's 1-6 on the season, 1-8 in his two-year career now as a head coach in challenges. That one he threw Sunday was so idiotic at the time. It's so, so idiotic. So bad. And I know there's other people telling him what to do, but I, I think he just does it because he sees it live and he sees what's happening and goes, you know, okay, yes, third and two versus third and ten. We'd rather be in third and ten, but the timeout, it's not worth that risk of losing that. And then, you know, you should have someone in the booth saying, Vance, right away, do not challenge us because in slow motion, this is we're not gonna overturn this call. And he just doesn't get it. He just does well, and, not get it. And, and you know, he's been on record saying he coaches during the game. How he coaches depending depends on what our record is. That is. That's not that the way to coach. Unbelievable. I mean, now there's so many signs that this guy's not an NFL coach. It's I, time that's, to go. Uh, Even if they win the next three, go nine and seven, it's time to go. They're not going to make the playoffs. We have to win out. Miami's got to lose two. Either Baltimore or Pittsburgh, one of the others got to lose two. Indianapolis has got to lose at least one. So does Tennessee. All that has to happen. Probably yeah. not going to happen. Probably not going to happen. And and it doesn't deserve to happen. This no. team doesn't deserve to you get the best. the Jets and the Niners in the same damn year. You don't no. make the playoffs. You blow the game against the division rival Chiefs. You haven't beat them in seven games. Um, you... Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a million. I I don't want to go on and on because I'm so fired up right now. I this this guy Vance Joseph makes me so mad. I don't understand how everyone is looking at him still. And but he's a leader of men. He is a leader of men. Yeah, that's the most cliche thing in the book, and he loves it. He'd probably say that himself, about himself. Did you see his comments after after the game on Sunday? No. Oh, it's just the same mind-boggling stuff. What he said on Monday that I didn't get a chance to listen to is even worse. But on Sunday after the game, someone asked him, you know, what what he thought about. I don't know how the question was phrased, but it was something like, you know, did you like what you planned for, or how you how you game planned today against San Francisco? And he said, Oh yeah, you know, I you know I I think we had everything set up to win this game, something like that. Um, but the players just didn't make plays and weren't in the right places when they needed to Throwing be. Throwing his players under the bus. That's yeah. what he's doing. Yeah, exactly. And it's and it's like you're the guy that has to get all these guys ready. If you watch, these guys are NFL superstar athletes. If you watch that play to George Kittle that went for whatever it was, 70. 85 yards. 85 yards. Thank you. Um, Darian Stewart messes up so badly on the play. And there were other plays like this where players just literally had no clue where to go. How do you have a week to prepare for a team and that happens more than once, let alone 
on an 85-yard play. That's Joe Woods and Vance Joseph and Bill Musgrave offensively not having a clue of what's going on. Yeah, they all three suck. Time for them to go. Yeah. Uh, yep. Goodbye. I'm ready. Bring in the new regime now. I don't yep. even care who it is. because. Oh, yeah. it, yep. I do, do you care think who there's, it is. Do you think there's a scenario we could see Vance get fired uh, before the season ends? Or, I mean – if we is, so if we lose, let's say we lose to Cleveland, um, like bad. Not even I don't even think you'd be after Cleveland because I think it would take a divisional loss like to the Raiders, who are really bad. Because at least with Cleveland, they're they're playing okay right now. You know they're mathematically in the playoff hunt. I mean they're not a very good team, but I could I I don't see it being after Cleveland. May I don't know though. Maybe if we get blown out by them. I mean, I want him gone right now. I mean, There's, it's gonna be tough to stop Baker and Landry and David J- uh, and Joku. He's a oh, good tight end. They can light us up. They can light us up at home. We are we are wearing the blues. That's gonna be I, sweet. The blues. I did see that. That'll be cool. That'll be cool. But uh, yeah, Cleveland. Even that Oakland scares me. Look what they they just beat Pittsburgh. I know. I, oh, I'm before this four game streak happened. I think last week I told you that the game that worried me the most was at Oakland because. Gruden at home. He's going to be fired up. This could potentially be the last time the Denver Broncos play Oakland in Oakland pending their stadium shenanigans out That's there. True. I didn't think about uh, that. The fans are going to be out for it. Um, Derek Carr is, you know, he's a competitive guy. He's he's playing to win. He said that. So, no, I mean, if we get blown out by Cleveland, yes, I could see it happening. If we lose barely, I don't. And then if we lose to Oakland, I would see it happening maybe give Musgrave a shot at coaching one game. But, I mean, that's that's stupid. I, there's no point in that. No, I don't know, dude. No. This, they got to go. They have to. Yep. They're, they're done. Yep. Their time I is think, done in Denver. I think you and I are mentally drained on this podcast, <laughs> talking about the staff, talking about this game. Uh, let's, just, let's just put it to rest right now. Let's, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, uh, what? Um, yeah, let's just go ahead and wrap this thing up. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope we didn't get you too down the dumps. Uh, but at Orange Weekly, we're constantly bringing you tons of content, shows, and podcasts about the Denver Broncos. We're pretty much ESPN, but about the Denver Broncos on Monday nights, uh, pretty late at night. Usually it's like, I think, 10 Eastern time or something like that on Facebook. Uh, Jay does the, the Orange Weekly after dark. At uh, 7 o'clock Mountain Time on Tuesdays is our Beer Broncos and OBS show. Kev Dan hosts that usually with Ray or Dave. Take all your questions. We talk about what you want to talk about. On Wednesdays, Kev Dan and myself are on Get Vocal at 7 o'clock Mountain Time. Uh, we also want to talk with you, though. We we, we, we stream it on Get Vocal and Facebook, but we want to see you come on Get Vocal, interact with us, and kind of like a radio call-in show, come, come talk with us. Uh, usually on Thursdays, uh, Matt and Jared come out with a pregame podcast. They're really great at breaking down the X's and O's, getting you ready for the game. Then uh, two hours before kickoff on on game days, we have the tailgate talk. Kev, Dan, and I once again are on Get Vocal, getting you ready for the game. And then at halftime of the game, got the halftime hash on Facebook. So tons and tons of Broncos content. Uh, thanks for listening. And like always, Jeff, go Broncos. Go Broncos, Tanner. <laughs>